It's interesting how God sometimes takes us the long way or we take ourselves the long way to where God wants us to be. And so I started out the week, I knew Easter was coming, so I thought, well, all good pastors are preaching series to lead up to Easter, so I should be a good pastor and figure out a good series that I can do for Easter. And I said, maybe I'll look at people, or maybe I'll look at things, or maybe I'll look at uh, words that Jesus spoke. I mean, I was going through all this stuff, and as I was going through all this stuff, the word preparation really started to stir in me. Like, we need to get ready. We've got to get prepared. That's what was stirring in me. And as I started looking at Easter in preparation, it took me back to my old days when I was a good Catholic boy, and we always had 40 days. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't put this on devotion, um, but my brother-in-law, who's a pastor in Frankfort, Kentucky, actually on Ash Wednesday, he was in the Catholic church with the Catholic uh, priest putting ashes on people's foreheads um, for their for their Lenten kickoff, their, their season of, of repentance in which they were going into. And so this idea of Lent or preparation kind of came back to me, you know, like there was always when I was a kid, 40 days where we would abstain from something for some reason. I wasn't sure why uh, before Easter, but we always did. And so it was a season of supposed to be preparation. But, you know, it's funny that when we look at that season, how long did I say it was? Forty days. Uh, There was a season of Jesus' life that was identified by 40 days. And it's a season often actually is the catalyst for for the Lenten season, or it's a catalyst for the season uh, of preparation. And you know what's the funny thing? I said, God, sometimes uh, I take the long way to get to the short way. Last week, we concluded in the end of Matthew chapter 3. We shared that Jesus was baptized by John. And then we talked about the baptism encounter where the Spirit of God comes down and says, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you know what starts in Matthew chapter 4? If I'd have just kept reading the book instead of uh, trying to figure out everything on my own, I might have got here a lot quicker. Because Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, begins where I want to be today. If I just could have followed what God was doing, maybe I'd have got here quicker. I was just like Israel. Right? And it's kind of funny how it all ties together because Israel is going to come up as we do this series on the wilderness of Jesus because it's synonymous with that time as well. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read scripture. God, we thank you this morning for your words. We thank you for truth that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the opportunity to hear from you this day, God. And we ask that we would. I pray for submission in this place. That our hearts, that my heart, that our minds, my mind would be submitted unto you, God, that your very will could be accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 4, verse 1 starts, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. 
And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, The worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. These verses began with a very peculiar phrase, The Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. I mean, we see this season, Jesus has been baptized by John. God has, has spoken. His, his earthly ministry is about to begin. Like this season of outward ministry, public ministry for Jesus is beginning. And we see that before it begins, there's this season of time in which the Spirit of God leads Jesus out into the wilderness And I know it says to be tempted, but I really believe this is a season of preparation. And it's really cool how we see this, because as I mentioned just a little bit ago, this season of Jesus' life is reflective in the people of God. So when we look back at God's people, they were called out of Egypt, and God was making a promise to them, right? They were going to go to the promised land, but for 40 years they spent in the wilderness, and we're going to look at Moses' lessons that he gives to those people that are actually highlighted by Jesus in what he says, and how that typically, as we're preparing for the plans of God, the enemy has, has some temptations or some seasons in which we go through ourselves. So we see it reflected in the book of Deuteronomy. We see it reflected in the book of Matthew or Luke, I believe, is the other place in the New Testament where we see this. But we're also going to, I wasn't sure if I was going to share this or not, but look at a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray because it seems to parallel the temptations that he experienced in the wilderness. So if it's something that was, if it's something that is in Jesus' life, then I'm guessing we should anticipate something in our lives. We should anticipate that there is a very real enemy. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's going to attempt to, to tempt us to forsake ourselves or forsake God's plans for our life so we don't experience the promise that he has for us. Does that make sense? That's where we're going to go. That's where we're going to be. And so I just want to come back then to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at this particular temptation today. After 40 days and 40 nights, I love it. I love how plain the scripture is sometimes. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's real novel, isn't it? I mean, why would we be surprised? So Jesus is tempted, called, out, called by the Spirit out in the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And what Matthew has to say about him is he was hungry. But what do we see? There was a tempter who came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, when I read these words, it's interesting that we have a tempter. I said he seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He's, he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for those he can devour. That's the way the scripture describes him. And what does he see? What does he identify? The vulnerability of Christ, right? I'm guessing if dude's been praying and fasting for 40 days, I just call Jesus dude, it's okay. If Jesus has been fasting and praying for 40 days and 40 nights, spiritually he's probably pretty high, right? Where is he vulnerable? 
He just wants some food. Like, I'm hungry. I remember fasting before we came here, or I should say hunger striking before we came here for like three days. I was hungry. I didn't need someone to tempt me. I knew when the clock was up and I had the food in the, in the, in the, in the stove ready to go because I was hungry. I mean, that's the product of fasting. So what the enemy does, this is, this is not necessarily a, a major focus of my, my sermon, but it's just that peace for us. We shouldn't be surprised when the enemy tempts us with where we're vulnerable. That's the strategy that he uses. He knows how we're showing. He can look at the circumstances around us and he can see, hey, this is what's going to cause that guy to struggle. So he puts some, some women in your life or he puts some food in your life or he puts some, some, some people in your life. So, you, so you're trying, you know, he says, this is where I know you're going to struggle. That's what the enemy does. So he comes to Jesus in his vulnerability and he says what? If you are the Son of God. That phrase he repeats twice in this temptation. If you are the Son of God. Now why is the enemy saying to Jesus, if you are the Son of God? What's that question saying? Prove yourself. That's, that's my sermon title today. Good job. If you're the Son of God, if you are, I mean, we all know Jesus is the Son of God. That's what's been prophesied about. What did, what did God just say? Like at the baptism. This is my Son. The, the enemy probably saw that. <laughs> he knew the pronouncement. <laughs> he recognized the quality of them. But he came to him and he said, if you are the Son of God. I'm going to tell you, the enemy still uses this strategy today. I'm going to tell you, he still comes to us the same word, where, where he says, if you are a child of God. If you really are who you say you are. If you really are, because guess what happens? Because when someone starts to question us, what do we do? We want to prove ourselves. If you question me, my flesh rises up. Right? Isn't that the reality? What happens if you're really a rancher, Mike? I'll show you how much of a rancher I am. I mean, that's who we are. If you're really good at, at fixing things, Mike, I'm just going to keep saying Mike. So if your name is not Mike, don't worry this morning. And what do we do? Well, someone questions us, I'm going to show them how good I am. That's my response to when someone questions who I am. When they question my relationship with God. When they question whether I'm a good pastor. I'm going to show them. Because the product of, uh, of someone questioning us is that we often engage in proving ourselves. And I want to say this morning that we don't have to prove ourselves to anyone or anything. Because often when I'm proving myself, the core is my, it's my flesh, it's myself. 
Listen to these words in, in Matthew chapter 7. These are some of those words that, that when you read them, you're like, I don't know that I like this. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. This is a, uh, when you read this as a, as a believer, it's one of those ones they are like, oh my, like, what is happening here? They're prophesying. Many of us, we, we, we haven't driven out demons and we haven't necessarily prophesied in the name of God. We're thinking they're at a different standard than we are. But what is the point of this verse? What is the point of these verses in Matthew 7? Jesus isn't talking about what we're doing. He's not talking about how we're proving our faith in him. He's talking about our knowledge of him, our relationship with him. It's not that these things don't happen as a product of faith. But the problem was people are too busy proving their faith. We see it all over the New Testament. Acts of righteousness. I mean, that's going to fall in these same chapters that Jesus is addressing. In Matthew chapter 7, there are those who fast and they make sure to announce it or they pray and, and they announce it. Or when they give, they announce that all these things are doing. Why? Why? To prove their self. Good to talk about them, but what about us? Sometimes I think we do things because we're trying to prove ourselves to others. Our faith is driven by man more than it's driven by God. Our, our, our actions, our outward appearances, they're more propelled or compelled by the perception of others than in obedience to the will of God for our lives. Like church, like why some people come to church. Why do we go to church? Because if I don't, then people will see that I wasn't there. Why do we, why do we pray or why do we do this or why don't we do that? Or, you know, so often our motivation is improving ourselves. So often the reason why, when we really are honest with ourselves, it's that that voice in the back of our mind says, if you truly are the Son of God, if you truly are a child of God, then you will do this. Yeah, I'll do that and I'll do more. I'm just not going to make bread, but I'm going to make, I'm going to make steak. Hey, just for, just for your sake, I don't think we've announced this yet, but the meal today is prime rib, so good thing you're here today. That's what we're doing, prime rib, baked potatoes, um, salad. In yourselves, you may never come up with that. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what we do? And then we see ourselves in this place where we're just doing the outward things because we're too busy proving ourselves. I'll tell you what, if I prove myself too much, people are going to see how broken I truly am. Listen to that for a second. That'll preach. That was good. It's not in my notes. Sometimes I'm so busy, busy proving myself that I show myself. Because I'm not complete. And you know what I've learned as a pastor? This is a lesson that I've learned really quickly. When I'm serving out of self, I end up wearing out quickly. And then all my faults and flaws, they are glaringly apparent, especially in my home. 
If you truly are the Son of God, then what does he ask Jesus to do? Turn stones into bread. Now, he knows who he's talking to. But he says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, then why don't you turn these stones into bread? We're going to get to that in just a moment. Jesus' response is, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm going to Deuteronomy. I talked about Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Listen to these words in Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is Moses as he's preparing the people of God. He's transferring leadership. Some of what we're seeing in Deuteronomy is he recognizes he's not going to get to continue to lead the people, and he's handing them over uh, for, to Joshua so Joshua can lead them into the promised land. And so he gives them some, hey, some life lessons, some, some good moments for you to reflect on. And actually what Jesus does in his wilderness encounter is he puts us back in Deuteronomy several times to the words of Moses. Deuteronomy 8, uh, 1 through 4. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Hey, we're getting ready for fulfillment is what Moses is saying. So listen to what I'm saying. Hear what I have to say. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Why were they tested and humbled? To prove what was in their heart. That's the story of Scripture. That's this whole, whole wrestling of, of faith. God really wants to know what's in our, in our hearts. And these temptations, these trials, they bring it out. Whether or not you would keep His commands. He humbled you by causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known. But to teach you what? Remember what Jesus said? Isn't that funny? Jesus is quoting the words of Moses to the enemy who's trying to tempt him to prove himself. He says, I don't have to prove myself because God has proven me. Why don't we let God do the proving? Maybe that's not the position I need to be in. Uh, It says... um, To teach you, Jim already read this, that man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. God's the one who proves. So many times we're we're compelled with proving, but God has already done it. Remember that, that, that righteousness that we talked about? So many times we're too busy trying to prove our righteousness. We're too busy trying to prove that we've been made right. We're trying so hard. We're compelled by the law. And Jesus says in the book of Romans, it's an incredible book if you want to read it. Not that the whole book isn't good, but, but we're reading it in men's Bible study right now too if you want to join us. Anyway, that, that God didn't write. No longer is, is the law written on tablets of stone. But the law is written where? On our hearts. And it's the Spirit's law that's written on our hearts. This testing and trials, the situations we're going through. God spoke to us during worship about a man named Job and the product of what happened. The purpose 
is proving what's in our heart. The trials, the temptations, the issues, it genuinely proves what's in our hearts. We're not proving it. It's bringing it out. So what does Jesus say? See, the enemy's asking him identity, an identity question, right? If you're the son of God, now we said that was a prove it question, but it's really an identity question. How is Jesus described in Scripture? It's good. We're going to go to to John chapter 6. There was a moment that Jesus has got this crowd coming. And so what happens? When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now, verse 6 is another one of those verses. I'm glad I'm not Philip. I felt like that moment's happened several times in my life. He asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Husbands, do you ever feel like that with your wives? No, don't answer that question. Don't answer that question. That was temptation of the enemy right there. You don't got to prove yourself. Tanner's wasn't even in the room and he didn't move. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. This moment in Scripture, what's happening? Jesus sees this crowd of 5,000, and he looks at Philip, and he's like, How are we going to feed them all? They're going to be hungry. That's going to be the need. That's going to be the physical need. We, we need to, to be good hosts, so what are we going to do? And Philip says, Well, the only thing I can think of in myself, right, proving ourselves, was to do what? Hey, if we get about a half of your salary, we can buy enough bread to give them how much? And this is powerful. I'm not enough. How did Jesus feed them? When you read this chapter, what does it say? That they all ate and they ate until they were When I'm so busy proving myself, am I only giving people a bite when God wants them to be fulfilled? When I'm too busy proving myself, am I only doing enough to give them just a taste when God wants them to be satisfied? Am I too busy proving myself that I'm in the way of what God wants to accomplish? Isn't that what he's saying to Peter? Like, yeah, we could do that, but it's never going to be enough. I want to tell you, proving yourself is never enough. I'm telling you, apart from God, I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. As a pastor, I will never be, be who God needs me to be when I'm doing it in myself, when I'm trying to prove to others that I'm okay, when I'm trying to prove to others that I can't, when I'm trying to prove to others that I will, when I'm trying to prove to others that I've studied enough or, or that I've researched enough or that I'm spiritual enough or that I'm doing this enough. When I do it out of myself, it's never enough. Some people might get a bite. This chapter continues. The disciples then are asking Jesus, like, what just happened? That was crazy. Verse 27 says, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
Don't what? Work for food that spoils. Don't work so hard proving yourself. It's temporary. But for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. They asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? Look at what verse 29 says. The one thing that we must do. Jesus answered, the work of God is this. We're so busy doing all these things. We're so busy trying so hard, making ourselves weary in what we're doing, right? When we're doing it for the wrong reasons. He says the work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. That's what you need to do. If we can believe in the one who was sent, that's how we prove ourselves. That's what faith reveals. That's the hard position that he knows us because we're just believing in the one he sent. Now, the one he sent may ask us to do. Listen, I'm not saying there's not stuff that we do in the kingdom of God. He says, where are the laborers? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's, there's an op- absolute need for us to engage in the kingdom of God and to be doing things. But I want to be doing them because God said, not because the enemy questioned. Do you hear that heart position? I want to do them because the Father asks me to, not because the enemy is, is tempting me to. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Listen to what verse 31 says. It's getting cool. We're going back to the wilderness. Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you true bread from heaven. They're all sitting there saying, okay, where, where is he going with this? For the bread that comes down... The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. If you're hungry, turn these stones to bread. He's talking to the living bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, I have seen, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. That word became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. That word is the one who declared that I am the bread of life. When the enemy tempts us to prove ourselves, we need to say, no, the answer is Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. I don't have to prove myself because my life, my identity, my value, it's all found in him. It doesn't matter what vulnerability he attacks me with. My, I am made complete in Jesus Christ through that word that is the embodiment of it all. The word that was with God in creation, the word that spoke everything we know into existence, the word who died willingly so that we might have life and have it to the to the full. Wilderness. Israel, they were tempted with the same thing, right? They came to Moses scared because they were afraid in the wilderness they were going to starve. Moses, what are we going to do? He said, I'm going to give you bread from 
heaven. And they went out and there were these little wafer honey flakes on, on everything and they ate until they were full. They wanted to go back to where? Let's go back to Egypt. At least there we were eating around fires, pots of stew. But God showed himself in their vulnerability. I want to tell you this. This might be something someone's got to tuck in their back pocket. Many times through our vulnerability is where God reveals himself the most. The scripture says in his, in his power is made perfect where? Huh. Now the enemy is going to point you towards it. And many times in our weakness, we're too busy proving that we're not weak. But his power can be made perfect in that weakness if we allow him to do that. I'm going to conclude today. Um, you guys can come forward. I don't know that you've got a wilderness song, but, you know, whatever, you need to sing. And I think um, I want to do this each week. Um, Jesus in the book of Matthew, then in this same dialogue, the people are asking Jesus how to pray, and he gives us a prayer that many of us, we've said over and over again. Remember, I went back to my Catholic days. That was part of Lent. We said the Lord's Prayer and the Hail Marys as often as we could. And sometimes we lose sight of what those words say. And I want to pray the Lord's Prayer together today. Because this is how Jesus taught us to pray. And you know what's compelling to me? And I hope that we can highlight this over the next several weeks as we're looking at these words. What does he teach us to pray? Give us this day our... Hmm. What was the first temptation he faced? The provision of God. Will you prove yourself or will you let God provide? You know, this morning, I'm, I'm hoping that as, as, we, as we take an opportunity at the end of this service, as we take an opportunity together, that we can think about our season. Jesus, uh, when he spoke to the word several times in worship today, several times when he spoke to us in worship, did you, I, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. You didn't know what I was preaching on, so you probably weren't as highlighted. He spoke several times. He repeated a phrase several times. How much do you believe? It wasn't how much will you do. It wasn't how much, well, 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 no, it was how much do you believe? How much do you trust? How, how, how compelled are you that I will do what I said I would do? This morning, as we, as we pray this prayer together, and as we spend just a little bit of time, how much do you believe? Yeah, the enemy might be coming to you in your temptation. Yeah, you might feel like you're in the midst of wilderness, and he sees you as hungry, and he sees you as broken, and he sees you as uh, invaluable or vulnerable, and and he's speaking these words to you. If. If you are the son of God. If you are. I pray that this morning that you don't focus on proving yourself, but you let God show himself to you. Let him give you that daily bread that you need today. Let him give you that portion that you need for this week. Let him give you that portion that you need for this season to get you through the moment that you're facing. Give us today our daily bread. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven,
this morning, as we spend some time reflecting on the words of God, I encourage you to ask the question, am I too busy proving myself that I'm getting in the way of what God wants to do? Ask if there needs to be some some submission. Some listening. Some trust or faith. If you feel like God's speaking to you today, well, well, this is what I need, then just say, give me what I need. I can't produce it myself. There's not a position. There's not a thing that I can do. But ask God to give you what you have need of, to get through the moment that you're facing. Also at this time, I guess if you have anything else to pray about, I'll be up here as a pastor to pray with you. I'll be up here to stand with you and, and pray. If you want to pray about this, if you say, Pastor, I, I, I'm busy proving myself and I can't even get out of the way of myself. Let me pray with you because sometimes that means we've got to turn around, around, not a wound. That's when you talk to little kids. It's talking to Celie for a moment. That's what we have to do in, in our lives sometimes is just say, God, I, I can't do this in myself and I need someone to stand with me. That's the body of Christ. You know, there might be someone in the room that can walk with you in this. There might be someone in the room that can stand with you in this. Find them in this time. But Jesus wants us to know that he is the daily bread. He is the bread of life. He is the one who sustains. He is the one who fills. He is the one who satisfies. I say the the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may he truly be your daily bread. That you let God show himself and you stop trying to prove yourself. Amen? Be blessed.